BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, yo, what's good? Check it out. This your boy, Elder Sensei. One half of the legendary artifacts. You are right now in tune to my man, Tim Einenkel at the library on rapstation.com. Let's get it popping, y'all. Artifacts. Peace, Elder Sensei. I'm out. Grass grew up in the Bronx in the 1970s, saw DJ Cool Herc playing a, a party, which inspired him to purchase equipment and DJ. He's known as Grandmaster Kaz, a.k.a. GMC, a.k.a. DJ Casanova Fly from the Cool Coach Brothers. Grandmaster Kaz, welcome to the library with Tim Einekel on RapStation.com. Thank you, Tim. You've been with you know hip-hop since its birth. What did you hope for it to become? What purpose did you want to serve? And has it lived up to your expectations? I mean, in the beginning, I wasn't really hoping that hip-hop would become anything. I already valued it a little more than people who weren't a part of it did. You know, it was like a large disdain for hip-hop from the older community and from people who weren't participants. Like, well, that's whack. Like, what y'all doing? What's that old bullshit, that hippity-hop stuff y'all doing, and this and that? So that was pretty much the general consensus, except for us, the kids that were involved in it, that were doing it. Me personally, I always felt that if people got exposed to hip-hop, they would love it. You know, there were people I know who didn't like it because they didn't understand or they were older and pretty much stuck on that grown and sexy kind of vibe. But for the youth, I mean, hip hop was all consuming. It was everything, and especially for me. And I always knew that if people would just see it the way I saw it, they would love it and accept it. And that's what wound up happening. Was there ever a moment for you that you, quote unquote, like fell out of love with it or fell out of love with at least a, an element or two whoa, of it. Whoa, whoa, was there, was there. <laughs> Me and hip-hop been in and out of love for a while. All right, and I know it was mutual because it like it fell out of love with me for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, well, fuck you too. And fell out of love with it. But basically, I think um, the first turning point with me for me was, I guess, the Run DMC era. When that came in, when that was ushered in, it kind of ushered us out. Mm. that marked the next generation in hip-hop and if you weren't like if you hadn't passed the the uh like the live performance hip-hop place like if you hadn't made a record and graduated to that next level of 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 uh performance in hip-hop then you kind of got relegated to 
that's where that old school shit came into play. Old school. The first people to do it were the old school. Okay. Right. We didn't transcend the next, you know, a couple of us eked through. Flash and them got through. Funky Four even did a little noise, you know what I mean? But basically, the whole first generation of hip hop, once the Run DMC era was ushered in, was ushered out. Mm. So we went through a period from. 82 to like 85 where okay you better do what you're gonna do because this is our last hurrah right here and especially for our group the cold crush brothers we never we never we never had that hit record we never crossed over commercially so the days of the harlem world mc or the crew of mcs that you know that was that was coming to an end and so that's that's when i really started you know losing my you know, my passion and my love because the game was changing so much and I knew it was moving away from us. So I say I, yeah, that first 83, 84, 85 era, I knew, that, all right, we're on our way out of here. Was there, during that time, was there ever an, I mean, was there an attempt by like, the quote-unquote old school and I guess Run DMC uh, artists to connect or was it like an industry thing that kind of separated you guys the from the industry separated us and yeah and that, that reminds me cool modi has a line in a song that we got called otis it's called notice actually and he says your industry cats separating us but they can't eliminate what's innate in us mm, nice. you know what i'm saying that's what happened the industry separated the artists from the, the first school of hip-hop first of all because they stole a lot of our shit okay and secondly it was like Okay, emulate these guys, but don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, dude, get take the best of what they have, all right? But don't dress like them because people ain't dressing like that no more. Don't, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So that Run DMC psyche is really us, but with 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 like revamped, right? Revamped, you know what I mean? They had our same energy, you know what I mean? Our same drive, our same showmanship, but they dressed normal. They dressed like we dressed in the street. And what we were doing is we were putting on outfits and trying to become rock stars. We were copying the Furious Five, basically, because they're the ones who was on the road with the, with the, um, you know, the funk bands and the Rick James and the Barcades. They came home. They was like, oh shit, that's how, that's how they dress. That's how stars dress. That's how guys on the road. And, and then, then, all right, let's adopt it. Let's go to the next stage. But well, we kind of went a little too far. <laughs> Yeah, but that's yeah, that's the that's the first time I was like, you know what, this shit, you know, this ain't ours no more. Is that also when you kind of knew that the culture has become um, a, a business venture for people? I mean, is that or did you or did you also when you were when you were there when you started, did you know it was going to be a business venture? That's one of my biggest regrets. If I would have known that hip hop would have grown to these proportions. <laughs> I would have right. owned hip-hop. I would have put a patent on hip-hop. I would have, I mean, you know what I mean? I would have trademarked hip-hop and everything about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? But none of us really could say that, that we knew that hip-hop would grow to these proportions. And when you are, when you're in the culture, when you're involved in it, when you're a player, you're not looking at it from an owner's perspective. You're not looking at it from a general manager's perspective or a booking agent's perspective or a, you know, or a publisher's perspective or anything. You're looking at it from the inside, looking out. You're right. an artist. You're in it. You're, you're participating in it. 
the people who were on the outside looking in were the people who had, okay, we probably could make some money off of this. Mm-hmm. See, these are the people who weren't talented enough to do the actual acts. They weren't DJing. They weren't MCing. They weren't B-boying. They wasn't doing graffiti. They were standing on the outside watching people doing it and say, damn, you know what this probably could could, could grow into? Right. You know what I mean? So I think those are the people who really got behind hip hop and, and, and started moving it forward commercially. Had I had that mindset or had Cool Herc or Bam or, or, or Flash had that mindset, we would own hip hop. Mm. <clears throat> Do you think the um, the people that did push it as a business, you know, the argument is that if it wasn't pushed as a business, then some people say the the culture would have died. Do you think there was is a way that if you going back? Do you think there would have been a way that you could have pushed out as business to what to keep it true and keep the culture, or did it have to be pushed this way? If hip hop hadn't grown to its proportions, then what would have replaced it? What it would have been around? Hmm. Right. There still hasn't been anything that's rivaled hip hop since hip hop happened. Right. Okay, so even if it wasn't commercial, it still would have been here culturally. We still would have had block parties. We still would have jammed out in the park. We still would, you know, go out in the park and do what we do every summer and still give parties and stuff. It just grew. It just grew. And when other people get involved, they're like, guess what? You can do this. You can bring it here. We can take it here. You can do it here. Maybe we could, you know what I mean? But when you're, when you're a part of it, you, you, you good. We was good doing him. We didn't need records. We didn't need that. Nobody asked for that. Nobody was like, ooh, ooh, let's, let's go to the next level over. No, we was good. We was good. And if records never, if the industry never came along, I believe to this day we would still be doing what we do. The people who really do this shit for real would still do it. It would, it, it would still go on whether it was commercially viable or not. That's what I'm saying. Just culturally, it would still go on. It would still be happening. When you look at the commercial aspect of, of hip hop culture, um, you, the, the the rap the rap portion is the is the representative representative of the culture you've done i feel like every element or know every element um, I've, I've done, done every, every element i've it, covered i've graffiti breaking djing and MCing. is there I, one i do a little beatbox too but only in private <laughs> is, is there one <laughs> if, if it was up to you if there is there one element that that's that's not the MC that you would want to represent the culture or does every, I think every DJing element would, would represent the culture the, the, the second best because the, the culture starts with the music okay no DJ no music no music no party no party no hip hop right okay so the DJ is the cornerstone of this culture and, and the DJ represented hip hop before any other element was was deemed hip hop Okay, it all starts with the DJ, all right, and that party and that music and those particular songs that, you know what I mean, that separate DJs from hip-hop DJs, that separate disco or R&B or any other kind of music you would play from hip-hop music. One thing that, um, that, that's, that impressed me when I was reading up on you is that history has it that you were the first DJ slash rapper. Um, you know what? Is that true? That, that is as true as as I as I remember. I think there were a couple of people who might have tried it or might have 
played a dual role, but I don't think they excelled the way I did. I mean, I was like a, one of the best DJ and the best MCs. And I was the first person that DJed simultaneously. Like I had DJs down with me, but if you mess me up when I'm, when I'm on a mic, I, I don't, I don't want you to DJ for me no more. I don't, I'm not going to take a chance on you DJing and messing up my, so I cut my own records. Especially if it's a rhyme that I really want to get off and I know I don't trust nobody. I, I cut my own shit. And that's how I learned to play for myself. Doing those multiple things, oh, is that a, just a natural skill? I mean, the question, I guess the question is why, why don't more people do it? It ain't easy to do, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> and why don't everybody beatbox, okay? Theoretically, it's like, but, Really, somebody being able to really do it, it's, it's an acquired skill. It takes something that you really have to, you know, be into. And um, there were people who DJed and people who were on the mic, like Lovebug Starsky. Lovebug Starsky was a DJ and an MC, but he was more of a DJ MC. Like, like he, de- he MC'd with the records, you know, in between the records he played, and he did crowd participation, stuff like He wasn't rhyming. Like saying rhymes like this, I'm Grandmaster Kaz with the most pizzazz and I'm a dance to and He wasn't doing that and cutting records. Okay. And he wasn't even cutting while he played. He just talked between the records and he embellished the music. You know, I do that as well. I got that from him and DJ Hollywood and, and those guys, but I can also MC. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Just. Forget the turntables, just just me, me and the mic, man. Me, I can MC. I battle MC, party MC. You know what I mean? Stories. I mean that that's me. I'm, I'm one of the most well-rounded people doing it. So even if somebody did it, they didn't do it close to the level that I did it on. So I'm not gonna say nobody else ever did this, but there's nobody I could think of, and so and nobody else that nobody else could think of. So that's why they say me as the, you know what I mean, the premier DJ MC. But I don't want to take nothing away from like, a let's say a DJ Hollywood, for example. He was a DJ and an MC, but more of a master of ceremonies than a rapper. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Lovebug was more of a, rap, a, a master of ceremonies than a rapper. See, I'm a master of ceremonies and a rapper. Which gets me to, I want to ask you about the name uh, Grandmaster. As far as there was Grandmaster Flowers, there was you, Grandmaster Flash, Grandmaster D. Is it, what's the significance of the t- uh, the name Grandmaster? Uh, is that something that anyone can name themselves, or is it a term given? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Else I might as well be MC uh, Kevin or something like that. <laughs> Grandmaster, and to me, I can't speak for other people and their motivation. All I can speak of is what I know. I know the first Grandmaster, as far as music or DJing is concerned, was Grandmaster Flowers. And he was a DJ out of Brooklyn. And he played, like, grown, grown-up music, disco music. You know what I mean? All R&B or, you know, dance music, disco, you know what I mean, for that kind of crowd. Grandmaster Flash well, started out as DJ Flash, but I guess he was inspired um, by Grandmaster Flowers at some point, maybe just liked his name. I don't, I, I, you know, I never asked Flash, why did you name yourself Grandmaster Flash? But Flowers was the only Grandmaster at the time. And I guess Flash, being a DJ, adopted the Grandmaster from Grandmaster Flowers. Um, Flash was the only DJ called Grandmaster. And we knew, or I knew personally, that Flat Grandmaster wasn't his name. Flash was his name. Right. Grandmaster is a title. 
okay? And it's a level of excellence. It's a level of excellence in chess. It's a level of excellence in martial arts, all right? When you're a grand master, like there's masters, but you're a grand master. One night I was in a club DJing um, with my partner, Disco Wiz, and it was a club called 462 on Webster Avenue in the Bronx. And um, I was cutting up a record back and forth. Now, Flash was known throughout hip-hop as the fastest DJ, okay? Faster than Flash is fast, Flash is, you know what I mean? So in order for you to have some credit, that credibility, you had to be somewhere close, right? you know <laughs> what I mean? Or, or be able to do some of those things that Flash did. And that night, I just was on fire, and my man Wiz was like, yo, go, go faster, go faster. And I was cutting the record, and I kept going faster and faster. And he was like, Grandmaster, Grandmaster, Grandmaster. And then the crowd started going, Grandmaster, Grandmaster. From that night on, I was Grandmaster, Casanova Fly. Okay. It's like I, I was deemed. I was, you know what I mean? The, the crowd gave me that title that night. I earned that title by what they saw me do, and they start chanting the shit. So, boom, I was Grandmaster after that. What's that feeling like when you're... Oh, man, that shit was like, yo. (laughs) I mean, to have the whole crowd like, go, 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 Grandmaster. Grandmaster was like, wow, I I was elevated to this this status. Did you know at that moment, I mean, when it was happening, or was it like you got home and I was like, oh, shit. No, no, from that, 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 it hit me right right. there, right there. I was like, oh shit, I'm a grandmaster. During an interview you did with, uh, with Vlad TV, you talked about hip hop and media terms. And you talked about how, um, the media used different terms to help, uh, the masses understand the culture. Uh, MCs were called rappers, uh, B balls were, B boys were called break dancers, et cetera. Um, when you first heard this media labeling, uh, what was your reaction? But then also, were you ever worried that, media terms will kind of quote unquote water down the culture i think uh, yeah i did i was i was aware and totally aware that like hold up this ain't we ain't i ain't no rapper i'm an mc now i know where you get it from and i know why you probably say it in that but it's not for you to change our culture it's not for you to say who we are but apparently <laughs> you see how strong the media is right all right somebody you say somebody say something to enough people then that sticks Okay, when they saw Michael Jackson do the moonwalk on Motown 25th, the world was convinced that Michael Jackson made up the moonwalk. Right, right. Okay, you can't tell nobody no different. But Michael Jackson learned the moonwalk from people who knew how to do that. Jeffrey Daniels from Shalimar taught Michael how to do the moonwalk. Okay, so, I mean, the, the, the people think whatever they see the most and the most consistently and on the biggest scale, that's what they identify. To this day, people see me with a big chain. They say, yo, LL or Run DMC. Who you think they got big chains from? <laughs> right. You see me with a Kango, my Kango on a, yo, LL, you got that LL? Yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> LL was this big when I was wearing Kangos, okay? <clears throat> but yeah, like I said, what people see most and biggest is what they remember, so... That's where that comes from. I, and I, I definitely had a disdain for people switching up and changing up what the culture was. Thing was, it, the time that it happened, I was kind of out of the, you know, out of the mix somewhat. You know, I couldn't, I didn't have as big a voice as you would, as I would have, as I have today. You would say, you know, right now I'm like one of the gods, gurus, or, you know what I mean? 
of this thing, you know what I mean, the go-to guys when you go to talk about hip-hop. But back then, my era was had just been erased or had just been over with, and we've moved on to the next people. So those are the people who had the audience's ears and, and the general populace's ears. So no matter what I thought at that time or whatever, I was just relegated to, you know, my opinions, you know, over here because the industry was going on over here. You, you've you've talked in, in interviews I heard you talk about the quote-unquote commercial MCs and how they've, in a sense, found a formula to be um, that works for them that for successful. Um, and you say you're happy for them, but then you also, in the same interview, you said, but they weren't doing what myself or Melly Mel were doing on the mic. Uh, for those who don't understand what you guys are doing on the mic, what were you doing on the mic that these that formula MCs, I guess, are are not doing? We were entertainers first and foremost. We wanted to rock the crowd. Our whole agenda is to perform and do well for the crowd, make the crowd enjoy themselves. Okay. It's not for us to come up and show off and, you know what I mean, and this and that and all this sideways shit. I mean, this thing is all about entertaining. And be, and when we was doing it, we didn't have nothing to, we didn't have no, nothing that you could look at and, and, and hold over what you saw personally. Right. You know what I mean? What, you didn't hear our record. You didn't know we had it. We didn't have a hit record that when you saw us, you knew the words to it already. This and that, such and such. There's, you know, you saw us in magazines before. You seen, you know, commercials and, you know, and videos and shit. We didn't have none of that shit. Right. Every time we went out, we had to prove ourselves. We had to be good every time. Like it was the first time we was doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? Because we didn't have the commerciality. Now, all you got to do is go make a record. You know, there's so much preparation that goes on before you even hit a stage. You know what I mean? And the, the, the artist process is moving backwards the way it used to be back in the days. You know, at first you would hone your craft. You would get interested in something and then you would hone that craft. You would research it. You would go around it and you would look at it and find where other people that did it and this and that. And you would get involved and you, you know, you would start here and then you would practice and you would hone your skills and this and that till you finally get up to a point where okay now i want to go out and show you know what i can do mm. and then you go out you know and you around the circuit and little by little you know what i mean you gain a little notoriety whatever whatever boom to your point okay now you known all right let's get a record deal or something like that you know what i mean let's get us you know in the studio let's what you know it don't work like that you know <laughs> now it's like okay boom let's go in the studio that's the first thing. Let's go in the studio, okay? Just get a track, go in the studio, whine over it, okay? Put that shit out. <laughs> All right, let's see how many hits we get on YouTube. Right, to oh, YouTube oh, hits, oh, You yeah. know what I mean? Because it's not a standard anymore. It's whatever people like. Right, yeah. There's no standard. Okay, so you can put out any bullshit nowadays, you know what I mean? And, hey, people like a lot of people like bullshit now. And I'm just using the word bullshit, and that's not to demean anybody's work. I'm just saying you could put out anything. You ain't even got to think about it too hard. As long as the beat is consistent with what's going on right now, you're good. Has the, as I got you, how has the, so I've always had this since, since, since I've started, since I've been listening to hip hop, I've always had the, or rap music, I've always had this thing about the, the, I've been, the beat's been important, right? Like, um, 
I could, as long as give me a hot beat, I could say whatever I want over it. I'm going to get YouTube hits up the wazoo, right? Okay. Has that always been the case that the beat, like, has there ever been, a, has it always been the case that the beat has to be like the most important thing to catch your ear first? Or if you're the DJ, <laughs> the beat is the, is the main thing. The beat is everything. Okay. But if you are MC, okay, if you're an MC, you, any beat, any beat will do. If you're a rapper, then you need a hot beat. Right. You need a beat that's going to accompany your flow. You need a beat that's consistent with, with the beat that's going on right now that people can listen to an automatic. When they hear that beat, they're going to start nodding. You can shit on the record after that. It don't matter because that beat already got them. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So it's 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 not it's really more beat driven today than as far as an MC. A MC cares about what he's saying. I feel like I could carry a fucking record a cappella, goddamn it, because that's how that's 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 what I'm leading with. That's what I'm bringing to the table. I'm bringing my lyrics. I'm bringing my you know what I mean. My my inner self. I'm bringing me to the table, and I think that's more powerful. That's the most powerful element on a record to me because I'm the MC. Now, if you're a producer, I'm just a part of the record. Mm. To, to the producer, the record is his, and everything else is just an element in it. So the music has to be the strongest. The music has to, to really come across and make this song. Anything else just has to complement it. See, so, the, I mean, the, the, the industry attitude and the record-making process's attitude towards it is different from my attitude. I'm an MC. I'm just like a singer who can really sing. Mm-hmm. You, you ain't got to turn no fucking music on. Listen to this. Right. Listen to Mar- Mariah Carey sing without a fucking beat. And you you totally immersed in this shit. Listen to Whitney. When when Whitney was, you know what I mean? She didn't need no music. Sir, you know, because their singing is the music. Right. You know, their voice is the music. Me, when I MC, my words is the fucking music. So I really don't care. That's probably why I never had a hit record. Because <laughs> fuck that. I don't care about the beat. Put any beat on and, and listen to what I'm going to say. That's my, that's my attitude. Right. Like I always felt that if you take a, take a commercial hit, let's say, that has a great beat and you put a actual lyricist on the every time. You, you would win, but you don't take a li- But you know, and that's always been an argument where like you take. A Talib Kweli, for example, and give him a hot beat, the masses will listen to him. Well, like, then sometimes you know what? Though? Sometimes the the music will cancel the. <laughs> you know what I mean, the, if the beat is that good, or if it's that memorable a song, then then that's that's the record. Right, 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 right. That's, you know what I mean? I mean, as, as as hot as Biggie was on Juicy, the the Juicy was the record. The track underneath it, right, right. was the track. He complimented it excellently. But the body of that was that track, that juicy track. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's that's the music business. You want to sell records? It's it's basically music. It's about music. I want to talk about one of your you know, tracks that everyone loves and uh, MC Delight. It starts off with uh, a conversation that you apparently I learned this from offline of Sammy Davis Jr. Um, <laughs> and then even when he goes to the Hush Tours. Instagram page, yeah, there's yeah. a picture of Sammy Davis Jr. with turntables. Really? Um, and it says, remember, it's on his birthday, remember when the greats. Um, I guess, for, what is the significance of having Sammy Davis Jr. on this track? 
nothing except I was clowning. <laughs> Sammy has nothing to do with this track. There was somebody impersonating Sammy around that time, very popular um, on TV around that time. And I always used to do impersonations. I love, especially Sammy. And it was something that we were clowning around with prior to the time. So, you know, I was just messing around in there, you know, trying to do a little intro, you know what I mean? And uh, it was like me talking or Sammy talking to me, like interviewing me about this record. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I didn't I didn't even think we were going to keep it. It wasn't like an integral part of the song. It was just us clowning around. But, you know, we kept it. It was kind of funny. You know? <laughs> I speak of the Hush, uh, the Hush Hip Hop tours. Is there a favorite moment for you when you do it, like a favorite story to tell? Well, I love st- telling the story about... Um, you know, how I got my name, how I got my Casanova name. And then it eventually led me to, you know, DJing and, and, and being actively involved in a culture. You know what I mean? I don't want to give it away. You got to come on a tour to hear the story. But it's pretty funny. That's the one I like. I like telling um, the most. But, um, I mean, the tour just gives me an opportunity to, to, to kind of spread what I call the gospel of hip hop to the masses. You know what I mean? Uh, most people pretty much have a, a pretty broad idea or idea of what hip hop is, you know, how it's come about, but there's like small, you know, nuances and, and things that people don't know. And just a little thing you could add to something and be, it would open up a whole new world of things. And everybody's got a phone with a Google now. So everything you talk about, they can instantly find out about. And uh, we're pretty visual on the tours as well so we give you you know visuals as, st- as well so i mean it's 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 been great for me for this past 15 years it's just another way for me to um well kind of reach the masses you know one uh, one busload at a time because i haven't been able to travel um outside the united states for over 12 years now and um you know passport problems and uh i know i got a large you know contingency of, of of fans and stuff you know in other countries and, and stuff they contact me all the time through social media and they you know they i've done projects i've got records out in other countries you know people send me the track you know what i mean a few dollars <laughs> and uh you know i mean i get on bless the track and hey i got a song out there with some cats in Poland. I got, you know, songs out in Germany and, you know, stuff like that. So that keeps me connected, uh, that and, 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 and the hip hop tours, the bus tours. I was looking at the, uh, the Hush Tours, uh, Instagram page and I was looking at your, um, your tour the other day, with, yesterday with uh, Sadat X. Yeah. And I noticed that you guys start at, I think it was from the tour, but you, you, you stop at the Graffiti Hall of Fame on 106 in Park. Uh huh. And I appreciate that because that's the high school I went to. Really, uh, I went to Central Park East Secondary School. Ah, that's crazy. So we used to like so it was so we used to be able to. Um, we were playing football in the yard. There the the turf isn't was not there when I was there. Right, and you know guys would be on ladders doing pieces, and there's appreciation of that because what year? What year did what, what? I graduated in '97? And they've been doing this like. I know over forty years now. Yeah, it's a it's a so long before you were there. Before I was that. there, and it's an amazing piece because because for me there's that respect that the artist gets because no one decides, no one paints over their piece or tags over their piece. Right. Well, that's that's a respect factor that the community has for the artist and for the work that's done. Uh, you have your assholes every now and then. I mean, there was a year or two 
that the Tatch crew had this little scourge right, and, right. you know, and they hate her. And every time they did the outer wall, he would come out and just, just desecrate it. And it, for me, it was, it, it was like, it was damn near hurtful. Like, like you did that to me because I bring a busload of people here three times a week. You know what I mean? And one day I come with the group and I see a fresh, you know what I mean? I see them doing it as a matter of fact, bio nicer, you know, BG doing, doing the wall. And, you know, I'm cool with all of them. We cool. And, and, and I bring the group by. And we keep it moving. I come back two days later. The wall is messed up. I'm like, what the? F-? So, boom. Two days later, I come back with another group. The Tatch crew had come back and fixed it. Everywhere these guys had written or desecrated, they filled it in and whatever and made it back pristine. Because I was just telling people about what had happened. And we got there and it was back brand new. And I was happy as shit. And then the next tour, it was fucked up again. I was like, yo, if I find this dude, yo, <laughs> if I see this dude around here, I'm going after him myself. All right. Then the task crew came back again, fixed it, and then he messed it up again. After a while, I was just let it, let it go until, you know. Is there an element that you've kind of gained more pre- appreciation of since doing these tours? I've gained more appreciation for the graffiti element. Um, I think more so than anything. I know what it takes to be a B-boy, and I know that, you know, your life expectancy as a B-boy is fairly short. Uh, people like Crazy Legs and Ken Swift and, 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 and some of the dynamic cats, you know what I mean, are like testaments to yeah. to, to this um, culture, man, To you know, because this ain't no, you know, old man's thing. Okay, like I said, I was a b-boy there's not a move i could do right now that would convince you of that okay <laughs> at 56 all right i ain't the well most preserved you know what i mean but like i said i see the work that it takes to still be a part of that you know what i mean that's more physical but the graph cats i mean these guys have transcended mm. just tagging on walls to, to to so many different things and you know what i mean these guys are are, are artists now they are you know what i mean graphic artists you know they doing um i mean murals and and things that we i mean that to me graffiti was like letters <laughs> letters <laughs> coloring you know what i mean background and a little stuff i mean i mean the proportion that these guys have yeah. taken this to is, uh, is phenomenal phenomenal and the b-boy aspect as well i can't i can't even really put one in front of the other because look at where breaking is today look where these look at the way these guys are dancing today Okay, they've taken the art form that's over 40 years old and keep perfecting it and have kept... Breaking should have died a long time ago. Mm. Why? Why hasn't it? Because it's so fucking cool. That's why. That's why. And and every generation that sees it picks up on it. So it's going to go on. It's going to go on. Rap, as far as a business or an industry, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I know as a culture, it, it's always been around in one form or another, and it'll continue. If it ever comes to, to an end, it'll be because of the commercialism of it. Because just as a culture, it would it would always be here. It will always be around. And it'll take another form culturally again, and it'll start somewhere you know, kind of obscure, obsolete, and then, you know, it'll catch on again. It'll seem like it's a whole new thing, but basically you, there is nothing new under the sun. And 
hip hop didn't invent anything. It reinvented everything. Speaking of which, uh, we're in the room that you uh, famously wrote uh, in the art of rap. You wrote um, the rhyme that I'm one of my favorite rhymes of the whole entire piece because I'm actually because we were actually watching you write mm-hmm. uh, live one shot. Is this? I want to ask you a couple of things. Is this room the perfect? I guess writing atmosphere for you, or is it like taking a drive, taking a walk, you know, hanging out, or maybe there's not just one ideal atmosphere. A quiet atmosphere is what I need, no matter where it is. I need quiet, and I need. Well, I don't need, you know what I mean. Right. But it's nice if my head is right, you know what I mean. I'm mellow, I'm relaxed, and then um, sometimes music but really some of the best things i've ever written i didn't write to music i just wrote them music that any type of music or music that no no like a beat or something that i'm gonna say it to you know you already got the tempo you know how hard the beat is or how you know you can but see what my best stuff that i write i don't write to music i just write so i might just feel like writing or something might just hit me and i'll just start writing you know what I mean? I got to confess that in my later years, like like the last five, ten years, writing doesn't come as naturally and easy as it has as it did when I was writing regularly. You know what I mean? Mm. Right now, if I have a project, something coming up, okay, get your head right, get yeah. get, in, get in writing mode. You know what I mean? But usually, I used to stay in writing mode. I write for 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 no reason. You know, just you know, period. And but that slowed down somewhat. So basically, I I write when I have to, when I need to, or if something really hits me. When something fucks with me, I write. I write. But I'm a much more mellow cat now that I'm older. <laughs> Not as many things bother me, or I let bother me, or that I care about that much to take the time out to really, you know what I mean. It has to be something because I've I've had such an awakening as an adult, man. I know so much more, and it's like. Half the things it ain't even worth thinking about. You know right. what I mean? When you're young, everything is an issue, right? And you then, know what I mean, but when you're older, you pick your issues. So right now, I pick my issues and the things that I want to talk about or whatever. You know, most things I keep to myself. You know, unless there's an, a particular outlet and I see something for that, then I'll, I'll exercise it then and there or whatever. But I think the best. Of my writing is still inside of me. You know what I mean? I just need a I need I need a project. I'm not one of these cats who live in a studio. Right. That's another thing. We don't, you know what I mean? This is my studio. And this is not a recording studio. You know, this is a music studio. My turntables, my you know what I mean, my my, my laptops and my controllers and all this is, is to listening and playing music. Um as far as recording music and being in that recording atmosphere, there's nothing like a studio. So when I get in one, I'm totally entrenched into, you know, the recording and this and that. And I can write in studios now, which is something I I, I, I didn't do. I, I wrote, brought it to the studio because theoretically, you don't go in a studio and write. Right. Studio costs money. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, that's, you got to yeah. have that shit written yeah. <laughs> and ready to do when you get there. But basically, if you aren't that kind of on that little like scrunch budget, like, everything got to be like that i mean you give me an hour or two and and i'll write i'll write up this whole song 
You know what I mean? Sometimes not even that long. But by the time you set up everything and get all everything ready and all that, I'll, I'll have half the song done. So In 2001, Jay-Z recorded Izzo. And he's to the Izzo. And he has a famous... The, I'm overcharging niggas for what they did to the cold crush. <laughs> and he has that line in it. And it's a great yeah, line. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it forces what, hit, what I think what, what rap is supposed to do. It's supposed to... They, there's a reference made. You're supposed to look it up. What, what is he talking about, right? I think Jay-Z is the reference king. I mean, he, I mean, Jay is one of them cats who's like, you know, I'm a, I ain't about it. I'm going to let you know I know about it. I mean, if I ain't even totally entrenched into it or whatever, or, you know what I mean? Boom, check this out. You know what I mean? He's great at that. You know what I mean? He's very clever. Very clever. You know what I mean? And, um... When 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 the record came out and people heard it, everybody ran to me and of course, yo Cash, yo Cash, Jay Z said your name in the record, yo he overcharged. Okay, and nice that's, reference, right? Exactly, you know what I mean? and, that, and that's and that, and, that, and, that, and that's kind of my that's that's my question is that so you have that reference and that's all well and good, right? And then you then you have Macklemore doing Downtown, where and I, I'm going to connect this in a weird way, uh-huh. um, and it. And it, and he and he does in a way where he's he's not just paying homage to he's paying homage to you lyrically and he's also paying homage to you f- in a physical sense because you guys are physically brought out and rhyming. Why why do you think there's or is there a disconnect between the old school generation, quote unquote old school generation, and this newer school generation that not does not have more of your school on their records is it a business thing or is it organic and is it organic in hip-hop or or, or what all right let, really let me let me go back I, I i'll answer that question but let me go back to the jay-z thing when i when i when i first heard it i was like oh shit cool Right. But other people were like, yo, but you heard it like like I was supposed to expect something from it. Like, what do you expect from it? What you think? He pulled to write us a check. Right. You know what I mean? The, the, the point he made that he's overcharging the industry for what they did to groups like us back then by not, you know what I mean, paying us what they owed us. And I don't even think he meant the whole cold crush. I think he was referring to the Big Bang Hank thing with me. You know what I mean? Unless he knows something, I don't know. Right. All right. But, um, you know, everybody was like, yeah, like like we was going to be on his next record or something like right, that. Right. I said he made a reference. You know what I mean? It is what it is. He's like he's robbing from the rich in the name of the poor. Right. Right. Not, right. not to give to the poor in the name of the poor. Oh, you poor, the poor people that you rob. I'm robbing you for them. Now, I ain't giving it to them, but I'm robbing you the way you robbed them. Right. That that's basically what he said, and 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 you know, and everybody was like, "Yo, yeah, just come on, knock it off, man." He, he made a cool reference. You know what I'm saying? We ain't, we ain't gonna be on his next album and his video and none of that. All right, knock it off. And, and just, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to be gossipy, but I'm, is that? Do you think that? Do you think that decision is conscious, more, <laughs> conscious, or is it an industry thing? Like where it's like. I think it's kind of industry-ish. Like, like, don't mess with them old school cats. Like, don't bring them up. Like, don't bring, you know what I mean? Let's not, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. It seems that way. It seems that way. You know, it's, and I don't think it's the artists themselves. I think it's just like a, a, a broad kind of overview. Like, you know what I mean? Let them, you know, don't. Because I don't nobody, I don't see nobody reaching out like that. Not even them, us. Don't even forget us. 
Ain't nobody calling Rakim to be on records. Man. Ain't nobody calling KRS-One to be on records. You know what I mean? I ain't never seen Houdini guests on nobody fucking record or nothing like that. So not only are they not reaching back to us, they ain't reaching up up to that far. You know what I mean? So I think it's just a, a thing that each generation wants to be responsible for their generation. I think they're trying to achieve in their generation what we tried to in ours. And we wasn't trying to pull nobody in either. Yeah. Not that there was people to pull in. It wasn't nobody before right, right. us. But you know what I mean? We didn't have that kind. We had that kind of connected, closed-off attitude as well. So for us to look at them and say, well, why y'all ain't, you know what I mean? That, that wouldn't be fair. I think that, all right, it's our time, and we're we trying to make our mark here. Thank you guys for what you did when you did it, but, you know, we're trying to make our mark here, and I and I can't get mad at them. I'm not sitting around waiting for no, nobody, none of them to call me. I don't know about nobody else from the old school, but, hey, I, that's not me. Anybody reach out, I'll reach back. Right. You know what I mean? Macklemore reached out. You know what I mean? We reached back. They was like, yo, you know, this and that. We want to do this and that. We don't know if it's going to work or, or if it's going to even fly. But, we'll, you know, y'all going to be good for your troubles. You know what I mean? And even if it didn't fly, we was good. We was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? A week later, he was he called us, yo, it's flying. All right? Boom, we got more for you. And then we want to shoot a video. And then, boom, we shot the video. Three days later, we on the VMAs. We on Jimmy Fallon's show. We doing Christmas Eve with, you know what I mean, Ryan Seacrest. We on the EMAs. We win. Look behind you. That's an MTV award, all right? We won the European Video Music Award. I've only seen those on TV. I only they're seen them on bigger, TV too. Much bigger so the shit came in the mail, yeah. yo. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you, but thinking of that, do you think? Because, you, like you said, you are the first generation, right? Do you think every there's always going to be a disconnect between every new hip hop generation? I or? think there is. I think there'll always be a disconnect because they'll always feel they'll always feel that need to to hold on to their time their era or to progress their time their era us we got our inspiration from what came before us okay the music that came from hip-hop came from music that we grew up listening to right you know what i mean we didn't say fuck james brown this is hip-hop we used james brown to make hip-hop you know what I mean? We didn't say fuck Isaac Hayes and fuck someone, someone, so. We used everything that we could get from them. The part of it that was cool to us, we preserved and we turned that shit into hip hop. So, no, ain't nobody taking no lessons from us. Ain't nobody reaching back and using our, yeah, I mean, if one of us had a hot record or something, yeah, some producer, they'll, they'll, they'll sample that shit and use it. But as far as the artists themselves reaching back to the artists, nobody's reaching back like that. This, you can count the artists on, on maybe two hands, artists who have, you know, reached back and, and really, I mean, sincerely said, yo, come on, let's do this or something. But all that honorable mention shit and that sideways shit, I mean, that shit is cool, but that shit don't, Pay the bills. Look at that. And look at, you know, yeah. hey, you guys were great. Thank you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I want to end with a few lighter, quote unquote, lighter notes. Uh, so to say, um, you've obviously written a lot and you've, you know, spit a lot. Um, is there a lyric that you could think of, maybe a line that kind of continuously has you go, 
oh shit, I wrote that. Like you're still in awe about a few things. There's a few things, and I I really don't listen to myself, and I don't watch myself on things when I see you know like all the stuff that's on you. I don't watch that. I don't because I don't never really think that I I did that good. You know what I mean? I never really think that I did. I killed that. I I, I always think that you could have did this. You mm. could have did that. You could have. You know what I mean? But yeah, there are a few things that when I listen to them, I'll be like, damn. Damn, that nigga. <laughs> like if I was somebody else, imagine if I was somebody else listening to that and understood, I'd be like, this nigga's God, yeah. And yeah, there's a few things that I've written like that. I I, I consider myself a, a, a great lyricist and a great writer, but there's some things that just far just go beyond you know, most of the shit that you do. Nothing, everything ain't going to be up here, up here. Right. You know what I mean? But I got a few things that's like up there. That's like, uh, I ain't nobody fucking with that. I mean, do you remember like when you, when you, when you hear those lines or you read, do you the, remember? From the art of rap, the, the, you know, stage nigga, I don't know how to age nigga. The first cat to put the pen to the page nigga, the key to the cage nigga, the brown and beige nigga, the off the chain meat rack meter and gauge nigga, the top nigga, walk through your hood with a bop nigga, no drop nigga, but I ain't got to run from the cop nigga, hip hop nigga. I used to run with your pop nigga. Yo, I thought I told you that I won't stop nigga. The mic, nigga. MCN's like riding a bike, nigga. I'm the beige Timberland and the white air night, nigga. I'm the rhyme, nigga. The let's go back into time, nigga. The prime, nigga. That always keep him a dime, nigga. I'm the six, nigga. Rather flip flows than bricks, nigga. I should have been long gone, but I'm still in the mix, nigga. I'm the live, nigga. Always last to arrive, nigga. I'm the cross Bronx, west side FDR drive, nigga. I'm that hood, nigga. I smoke that good wood, nigga. You can never fuck with, but wish that you could, nigga. I'm that damn nigga that fuck you and your man nigga that get your punk ass in the back of the van nigga I'm that sweet nigga that never off beat nigga the circle and a slash on cold mics heat nigga I'm that cool nigga ran my whole high school nigga and you don't want to ever challenge me to a duel nigga I'm that proud nigga that stand out in the crowd nigga that go where most of y'all niggas ain't allowed nigga I'm that smart nigga that first to start nigga I think with my head but I feel with my heart nigga that's sick that is that is yeah that's sick alright I think that's the uh, that's the that's yeah that's I don't know even what to say from that, that that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I usually I usually talk after that um one more question uh, <laughs> uh you know Tupac Yesterday it was announced that he was uh, the will be the first solo act inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I guess what, what's your uh, I mean, just immediate reaction to that? Um, your thoughts? Um, I think that's a cool thing that they would consider Pac. But I'm a chronological person, and I think there's other people that can, that deserve that consideration um, before. I think Tupac, if you're gonna eventually definitely he belongs but LL Cool J been right. doing this shit since he was 13 like 12 years old you know what I'm saying 14 albums movies TV I mean this nigga's transcended every medium right. you know what I mean when does he go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 
after Tupac. Right, right. <laughs> he should have went in before Public Enemy. Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, and so on and so on and so on. See, when outside entities fuck with your culture, they turn it around, twist it, and put it out the way they want to put it out. Life is chronological. History is chronological. Why would you change the order of, of that? Right. The great uh, <laughs> Grandmaster Kaz, uh, I'm honored that you invited me to your home. Uh, thank you so much for joining me in the library with Timonica on RapStation.com. Uh, it's been, been an honor. No doubt. Shout out to everybody out there listening. You know what I mean? I mean, I love this hip-hop thing. You know what I mean? I live, I breathe it, it runs through my veins. You know what I'm saying? And I try to do the best I can for it and with it. And I just hope everybody else try to do the same. All right? Peace. And don't stop, cause I'm the n- that'll make your party rock. Well, so far, I know you like my voice, I didn't bring no friends along. I can handle this one all by myself, now hear the way some things go on. Heard me? Grandmaster, Grandmaster, I'm the greatest master with the three MCs. Grandmaster, Grandmaster, who put this thing Except for the fact it ain't
chance. You tell a man you set the record straight. Let all these pets know that you are the grandmaster with the three MCs, man. You are the CAS and the OVA man. You are the writer of the Superman Lois Lane episode, man. You left them no cats, cause if you don't, I will, man. For real. It's me. I'm gonna drop something for you right now, okay? All you rapping cats, alright? Come. It's Sammy in the place to be. Chilling up with GMC. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it short, you know what I mean? Chicom. <laughs> Chicom. Chiboing, boing, boing. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.